Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. A roast as dark as the night, perfect for fueling the cryptid research and mad ravings required for your podcasting. Don't mind the red eyes, he's just trying to warn you of the bridge. The bridge. Finally, from the caffeine-addled brains of spring Jack Coffee and last podcast on the left, we bring you Mothman's Red Eye Blend. Yes, delicious Panama beans. Go to lastpodcastmerch.com to order yours today. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Uh, it is me. I, uh, and yes, I am a vampire. Uh, I have been around for 200 years, and uh, it's very fun. Um, I love to go to the clubs uh, on the main strip, and, but they have to invite you in. Um, and unfortunately, though, we have to have a meeting very soon because we need to talk about the house cleaning. And uh, the dishes are never done and uh, i do not understand you know that the you know we have to bring people home but can we clean the blood off of the walls please when when you bring the dead bodies uh, down the hall uh i'm a wizard hold it mcneil and i am your human american bartender jackie dayton ah I love beer, and I love girls' volleyball. <laughs> and as you can see from this toothpick that I conspicuously chew between my lips, I am not a British pornographer. <laughs> w- bruiser, Jake, wizard, whatever. <laughs> and this is an episode Jackie on Daytona. what is probably my favorite sh- TV show on television right now. Uh, I absolutely love this franchise. I actually uh, was turned on. I don't know how I found out about the movie, but I, I watched it alone uh, in my apartment when I was living in a studio apartment in, in Queens. And I loved it so much that like the next day I sat Lexi down to watch it. I was just like, this is the funniest most brilliant thing I've ever seen. Taika Waititi was not a name I knew. Mm-hmm. I knew Jermaine Clement from uh, Flight of the, the Concords. But yeah, this was this was this new thing, and and what's so funny is now I'm such a huge Psycho Waititi fan as well. I think he made arguably the best film in the MCU, uh, and all these other great things, Jojo Rabbit, and then the show comes out, and I felt like we were just talking before the episode, so I know how Jake felt. I felt the same as you, Jake. I'm like, oh no. 
please don't ruin this awesome thing. New cast, mm-hmm. different deal. They're not even. It's not set in Wellington, New Zealand. It's set in in Staten Island, and it's like the best show ever and consistently so the third season is still airing at the time of this recording i think there's one more episode to come out it's fucking banger every single season episode for episode and some of the greatest surprises i've enjoyed in a show in a long time as well and uh yeah what we do in the shadows i'm so thrilled to get to talk about this today because i'm just i i it, it you know, very rarely now do I just fall in love with something mm-hmm. like I did when I was a kid, you know? I mean, and this is absolutely that from top to bottom. And you know what it yeah. is? It's because it's silly. Uh-huh. It truly is silly. And a lot of people talking about uh, the show online uh, pointed out that uh, the second season dropped right when COVID was hitting its mm-hmm. full lockdown stage. I remember that. And so in a, in a world where just everything was so oppressively serious... Here is this show that is just truly goofy, truly just silly, truly like, you know, it's about vampires in Staten Island and they're very like bizarre uh, uh, trials and tribulations with a Greek, a seven year old, a 700 year old Greek peasant woman and a uh, British sex addict in the middle of a club singing horny for blood, horny for blood. Like it's, <laughs> and, uh, and you know, an energy vampire and like oh, all these, it just everything, so every character has a distinct game. Every character has a clear voice and motivations and just the entire package is so aesthetically complete. And so just, it's, it's so, it's just, it was a balm. It was a cozy, familiar kind of alt comedy blanket that I didn't think I needed and just every new episode, because we're in the middle of the third season right now and it is still hitting hard. It's been renewed for a fourth season. It's truly incredible. It's just, I, I, I haven't been this excited for a comedy show in forever. You know, and also I was so happy to finally see Matt Barry make it to the States in a big way. He's been one of my favorite comedic actors for forever. I love Snuffbox, the sketch show he did. I love Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, and that is now on Amazon Prime, by Have the way. Have you watched Toast of London? Toast of London, Toast of London is, is fantastic. fucking incredible. Dude, this has like been one of my favorite comedic actors from afar for a long time, but he was always kind of doing BBC mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And if you were into British comedy, alt British comedy, like you would know about this guy. But, you know, he I ha- I literally have a Jackie Daytona T-shirt. <laughs> I am in love with that episode. I'm in love with that actor and all the performers, though. Every other performer, though, stacks up with him, matches him mm-hmm. and and is totally on his level in, in improvisation and comedically. I just can't say enough. By the way, I should say what we do in the shadows is an American mockumentary comedy horror TV series created by Jermaine Clement and based on a 2014 film of the same name written by both Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi. And that was set in Wellington, New Zealand. The series, however, follows four vampire roommates living in Staten Island and stars Kevin Novak, Matt Berry, Natasha Dimitri, uh, Harvey Guillen, 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 and Mark Approch, and uh, it is currently in its third season. It's all out on Hulu. Please watch it. Please watch the movie. It's all good, and so rarely does that happen. Where the movie is like phenomenal in its own right, and then this TV show based on it comes around and is just absolutely banger as well. I, I just, I just can't get enough of it. And also, I love the core concept. 
which is that humans are such shitheads <laughs> that even if we were granted eternal life, we would still just squander it like <laughs> assholes <laughs> for all eternity. You know what I mean? I think Taika Waititi had a quote that I don't think I got down on paper, but it was essentially like, you know, you could learn the violin, but you wouldn't. You, would, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, you you would you would just fu- fuck and complain about the mundanity of life, and I I uh, just think it's such a funny con- conceit, um, and and just also put you know. Yeah, it's just funny how how well uh, Taika Waititi is done from this point. Is because it's cool. I think you you get the vibe of almost like, you know, he was doing his thing, and we'll kind of get it. We'll get into this in a second, but he was kind of doing his thing with the Fly of the Concord guys, and then they kind of went off and got that show over in America. And I think he sort of kept just his head down, and then eventually, in in certain ways, surpassed them, you know, in terms it's of hilarious. career. Okay, this is it's one like of the wild. most remarkable things about doing the research is uh, because, you know, you can follow these guys' careers from the early 2000s doing alt comedy, kind of that Edinburgh fringe, uh, Euro, yep. whatever sketch scene, which uh, I, as a member of, a, of also a hard truck and comedy troupe around the same time, did you ever interact with that like Edinburgh scene? Were you aware of that? Like, it's a whole different world over there. My ex did it like uh, a couple times while, mm-hmm. while we were together. Um, and yes, it was. So I definitely got the ins and outs of it. We always meant to go. It's one of those interesting things is it can kind of be this giant money sink. Or just just kind of just explain like what it what it means for like the European comedy scene and how yeah, it like, works like that. Edinburgh is this giant theater festival, right? It's theater, right? It's not yeah, just yeah. comedy. Yeah, yeah. And it's all over Edinburgh, Scotland. And it goes for like a, a month or two. It's like a long festival. Mm-hmm. And there's all these shows all over the city. And so you can go and like put a show up. I think one of the cool things about it is like you can kind of, it's not, is it, too, it's not too, too tricky to get accepted to have a show, right? No, you basically, you find a venue and then you, yeah. you're out there plugging your shit. Like you'll get listed in a bunch of like, you know, here's what's going down, but right. like you are out there flyering, you're out there yeah. like plugging, you're out there trying it's to make connections. Noticed. Yeah. It's standing out is what's actually hard. You know what I mean? Kind of like anyone can have a podcast. What's hard is to have like one that mm-hmm. any you know, anybody listens to, right? And and that's very much Edinburgh is like the podcast of live theater festivals because you go and you're just sort of a bunch of fish in one sea and you're just trying to sink or swim. But what's cool is, I mean, there's so many people that you'll probably get some decent audiences as well and and uh, while you're out there and get some decent exposure. And some pe- for some people, it is it massively breaks them mm-hmm. uh, as a huge star, at least in your at the very least in Europe. So, you know, listening to all these interviews with Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement, uh, especially around what we do in the shadows uh, for the film, all anyone wants to do is talk to Jermaine about uh, Flight of the Concords. And like Taika Waititi is just his little friend that yeah. I guess also is in it. And he's like, oh, you directed a few uh, Flight of the Concords episodes. That's neat. I guess you did some short films. I guess. Whatever. We- the point is, how cool was it when you did your David Bowie impression on Rick and Morty, <laughs> Jermaine? You know, at, at the timing's off, but. Uh, and then as the TV show kind of got rolling, by that time, this was Taika motherfucking Thor Ragnarok. Uh, and everyone was like, 
So and tight. Oscar darling too, yeah. uh, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, yeah. And so like the tide had turned. I guess the reason I'm talking about Edinburgh is because uh, European and within the, the realm of the Commonwealth nations, so like Australia, New Zealand, Oceania, whatever, uh, comedy is very different. Mm-hmm. And the fact is that there were no uh, stand-up, like actual stand-up rooms in Wellington, uh, New Zealand, which is where uh, Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement and Brett McKenzie and um, uh, uh, just basically the entire cast of the original movie was based out of. All of that was theater-based. Yeah. All of that was, you know, you put together an idea for your sketch show or a one-man show or just a weird character piece. You rent out a small theater. You do that for a month and, like, move on with your life. And the fact is, is Wellington, which is on the North Island of New Zealand, is consistently rated as one of the most livable cities in the world. It is affordable. It has a rich cultural uh, center. It has a lot of nearby universities. It is a huge coffee town. There's like a higher per capita cafe Mm. uh, saturation than New York City. Uh, Legendary thrift stores. Like this is just a very nice place to be kind of a underpaid comedian just tooling around, doing whatever, and just trying different shit with your friends. Yeah, yeah. And it's within this rich... Uh, kind of ecosystem, this beautiful Petri dish of the late 90s, early 2000s, Wellington, New Zealand comedy scene that uh, Waititi and Jermaine start working together. Yes, because uh, they met at Victoria University of Wellington, which is where he was studying drama. And uh, that's where Jermaine Clement met Taika Waititi. Waititi said, I think the small townness of Wellington is important. Not a lot of happens there, I'll be honest. I'm not sure if you got that from the film. Not a great deal happening. I think that lends itself to this, going against everybody's idea of vampires being cool and living in cool castles. Wellington is the perfect place to set this particular film. And so uh, also, Clement and Waititi might have gotten along uh, pretty quickly because not only were they hilarious, but they were also uh, Maori descendants his father, uh, Waititi's father, was an artist. His mother was a school teacher. While at Victoria University, he became part of a five-man comedy group called So You're a Man. This included Jermaine Clement, Brett McKenzie of Five the Concords fame, actor Carrie Smith, and theater director David Lawrence. And they would go on to have this successful run of a show. It was like a 1950s-style mockumentary that served as a guide on how to cope with manhood and had bits about proper urinal etiquette, communicating with women, grooming, how to find the clitoris. And the actors all wore these flesh-colored nudie suits. They all played guitar. And they hit it pretty big. Big in this small, you know, theater scene in New Zealand. At the end of the 90s, Clement and Waititi form a comedy duo called The Humor Beasts. And this tours uh, all over uh, uh, New Zealand. And in this, they're rewriting traditional Maori legends of Maui and uh, doing a whole thing, kind of like rewriting history on their own culture and stuff. And that's There's another big... There's a great segment uh, I, in New, New Zealand made a documentary about the history of New Zealand comedy. Uh, which talks about the humor beast because um, there's kind of this dual society in New Zealand. There's the European descended culture and there's the Maori descended culture. And within that, there's different Iwi tribes and like, you know, all these different hierarchies within that that I am nowhere near uh, qualified to explain. (laughs) But the fact is, is, uh, you know, 
uh, Waititi and Clement were like being exposed to Western culture. They were being raised on Michael Jackson and Looney Tunes and David Letterman. And uh, the Maori kind of uh, dramas were all these like whatever the Pacific Islander version of Push by Sapphire is. You know what I mean? It's a lot of like tales of abuse and poverty and tragedy. The comedy is kind of this like um, uh, I, just this like very underdog like. We like drinking. We like stealing. Oi, where aren't we a bunch of tricksters, like just getting one over on the man? And they just, it didn't resonate with any of them really. And so through the Humor Beasts, which they kind of put together, uh, supposedly the name Humor Beasts, they picked specifically to take to Edinburgh because they thought it would sound good with a Scottish accent. Huh. Uh, humor Beasts. Humor Beasts. I can't do it. Fuck, I lost it. Humor, humor Beasts. Whatever. Um, ach. <laughs> That's just Groundskeeper Will. Yeah. <laughs> Damn Scots, they ruined Scotland. <laughs> and yeah, a lot of it is like a very tongue-in-cheek kind of them processing the duality of their heritage and kind of what they yearn to be. Um, and so uh, there's like this weird rockabilly song they did called My Maori Girl, which kind of just deals with a lot of like stereotypes. Uh, they did this version of the Maui legend kind of told from Watiti's perspective where he has to go live with his Maori grandmother and she doesn't approve of him doing Michael Jackson dances. Uh, in fact, that obsession with Michael Jackson makes his way into one of his uh, feature films, Boy, mm. that ends with this kind of uh, surreally beautiful combination of the Michael Jackson thriller dance and uh, classic Maori haka. Cool. You can find that clip online. And uh, actually, you know what? April, if you can play a little bit of that, just to capture the duality that was kind of driving Watiti's kind of artistic vision for a long time, uh, just play a little bit the the uh, yeah the thriller haka from Boy. Very nice. But, you know, all of this was part of the various shows they were doing, the various uh, theater things, various experiments. People would join in. People would uh, leave. They would just do all of these things uh, and just seeing what stuck. And they had the freedom to do this because Wellington was just kind of this hippy dippy, uh, weirdly uh, continental crossroads. You know, it's the capital of New Zealand. Uh, and it's just this. It's just a beautiful thing. I almost, I'm almost jealous. It's I, I'm reminded of when I before I moved to New York and I was tooling around like the Washington D.C. comedy scene or th every other major comedian like talks about how like it was the Boston scene or the Chicago scene or just this this breeding ground of kind of collaboration that lets that launches you to bigger things. Yeah, one of those things in the early 2000s was Jermaine Clement and Brett McKenzie hitting the road with their group, Flight of the Concords. This turns into an album, then a radio program on BBC Radio 2, which was a big hit, then appearances on late-night shows like Letterman and Conan, so now they're broken into the American market, which is like such a difficult big wall to, to uh, get across. And finally, the HBO series, which, I mean, I definitely was, was a fan of, and I didn't want to be a fan of it, I think, too. You know, it was one of those shows where I was like, what is this? And just immediately, like, this is the 
so good, so funny. It's I think it's hard to pull off, you know, it's hard to make a show centered around a comedy music act, just mm-hmm. period. And they do such a good job of 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 that. Um, meanwhile, Waititi focusing on short comedy films. He does a film called Two Cars One Night, for which he was nominated for an Academy Award in 05. So he was already making waves, and I, I'm surprised to see. His first feature was Eagle vs. Shark in 2007. It's a romantic comedy starring Jermaine Clement. He also wrote and directed uh, for Flight of the Concords just a little bit. And then he acted and directed in his next film, Boy, as you mentioned. Uh, and then his next film is going to be this weird short uh, that he does with Jermaine. It's actually based on uh, this weird act they would do in a, in a club where where uh, Taika Waititi would get up as this vampire stand-up comic and he would be like, you know, <laughs> I flew you know all the way from Transylvania. Boy, are my arms tired, you know, because I turned to a bat and I flew there. And then Jermaine would start uh, heckling him from the audience and then it would turn out that he's also a vampire <laughs> and that, he's been, that he's been heckling him for centuries that he always, he's like, remember when I showed up and heckled you in 1860 at the, you know, at the fair? Like, yeah. And they just Going back and have this like casual kind of back and forth uh, in this in this funny way, and I think that's they just started doing these characters all the time at each other. They'd be like out playing pool or something, and we just like start like do doing these characters at the bar. Taika Waititi said. I like the idea of seeing what vampires do when they're not hunting. It's like if you watch Interview with the Vampire or The Lost Boys, but what you get is the scenes they'd cut out. <laughs> Clement, uh, and then Clement takes that res- In Interview with the Vampire, we never see Lestat saying he would never do the dishes. Right, TD? But Lestat... Would, uh, but Lestat would never do the dishes. There would be big arguments about that. So just get, just finding these characters and kind of having this, you know, and I definitely think the argument about the housekeeping, right, that's like the, the center, the, the origin point, you know, that's how the movie starts out in a lot of ways. That's, uh, for the most part, that's how uh, the TV show, I believe, even uh, begins with that kind of thing. In 05, Watiti and Clement wrote, directed, and starred in this 27-minute mockumentary, and it is called What We Do in the Shadows, Interviews with Some Vampires. It is accessible online. I think, you know, I would say definitely watch the the feature film they end up making. This is more interesting in an academic set, though I will, uh, or in an academic sense, though I will say Mm. one of the best things is when they hit the town, and they have this in the feature film as well, but in the short film, Mm -hmm. when they hit the town, they're getting actual reactions from like Wellington locals who were just bar hopping on a Friday night. It was uh, rugby night specifically, and rugby is huge in New Zealand, so it might as as well be like Monday, or I don't know, the Super Bowl, or some big event where all the meatheads are out and about on the streets. Yeah. So they're and getting in this all, short. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're getting called straight up uh, the F slur. They're called homo all the time. Like they are just getting razzed and insulted to their face. Um, and I think in the same and uh, ironically enough, when they when it was time to make that uh, the feature length movie, they did the same thing, hoping to recapture that. And in the ten years in between when they shot it the first time, now there's like cool gots in the street being like, hey, nice, like, nice. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> yeah, no yeah, one's yeah. fucking with them at all. <laughs> That's great. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... 
Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. You mentioned the other interesting thing, I think, about this short film. They made it in 05, many years passed, four years passed. Well, it's interesting. They uh, shoot it uh, like any improvised uh, thing. Uh, it takes so much time to edit that it's like uh, just really just takes a while for it to come out. But in the in between when they shot it together as just like kind of a nice, fun, short film thing to do in Wellington based off an idea. And I'm sure someone got a hold of a fancy digital film camera and they wanted to tool around with it. Um, Watiti got uh, nominated for one of for two cars one night, got nominated for best short film at the Academy Awards and uh, Flight of the Concords got the HBO one night stand special. So like their careers kind of like took off as soon as that was done and kind of were on its own trajectory after that fact. Uh-huh. And I, and so like it, it, it just kind of feels like, you know, they had been doing like it would have just been another thing that they had worked on on their way to success. But then they succeeded so hard that I'm sure they got where in meetings. They're like, so what else you got? I love your vibe. Well, here's the other thing that cements it. Uh, they were doing, you know, they were influenced by interview with the vampire Bram Stoker's Dracula. Then from the time that they made the thing to the time they decided to make the movie, a little known franchise called Twilight. Happened. I'm sorry. Twi- what? Twilight. Uh, the Mormon uh, <laughs> storybook Twilight. Yeah, it is. Vampires come way back into the popular culture at the time. Everybody wants like vampire stuff. And I think that also helped propel this film to get made because normally you don't like make a short and then like a decade later make a movie. For the movie, though, they also get a decent budget from the New Zealand Film Commission. I think that also helped. And they rework it a lot. You know, I think with when it comes to the short, the reason why I say it's like more interesting in an academic sense, they haven't quite nailed the humor as well. Like, uh, you know, there's more effects and things like that in the film as well uh, than in the short. But also in the short, it's a bit dry, uh, you know, which makes sense. They're trying to nail, again, the like on-purpose mundanity of, of these vampires' lives. But in the film, I think they really, at this point, have their chops up more to understand how you can do that and also have these really funny popping moments all throughout. And uh, they also add another vampire to the cast, uh, Peter, because uh, Jonathan Brew who is, is also in the short film. He's in the feature as well as the thir- uh, uh, Vampire 3, essentially. Peter... Deacon. He plays Deacon. He shows Deacon, up yes. later uh, in the show as member of the Vampiric Council. Yes, which we'll talk about. He was described as literally a gardener from Auckland <laughs> when he wasn't doing comedy and was just a friend of theirs that they got roped into it. Um, as well as the character of Stu. Yes. Who was uh, just literally a friend of Taika's, like an actual, he was actually Taika's roommate. And actually an IT guy. Yeah. 
He just sort of was like, hey, come do like a bit part in this movie. He like didn't tell him how big the part actually was. Well, because it was all improvised on top of that. He wanted that real, he wanted that real guy too. He wanted like that real feeling person in this situation. Like a documentary, you almost don't know what the story is until you're filming it. Um, Traditionally, for something that is shot in New Zealand, it would get some public funding that's just, you know, the same reason why Canada is like the leader of uh, insane experimental animation. Like when you're a smaller country, you actually have money kind of sitting around waiting for people to use for local productions and like help create, help perpetuate the local culture. Uh, But they literally could not get script approval from the public arts funds because they were like, so this is the script of the movie. This is what the movie's going to be. They're like, no, we're going to improvise the entire thing. They're like, so what is this script? Something you told us to send you. So this isn't the movie. Nope. Well, we can't approve money for a movie that we don't know what it is. What are you talking about? Like, ah, we'll figure it out. It's fine. We'll do it ourselves. And man, did they. They shoot hours and hours of footage for this 90-minute film. Taika Waititi said, I think it's like 150 It went up and down. Officially, we couldn't really tell exactly how many hours. I think even then we were unsure because we did a lot of reshoots as well, and we maybe didn't add them. So let's just give it around 150 and leave it at that. The reason being because we basically improvised the whole thing. Every single take was different, and a lot of the stuff we did on the set had so many variations that would often veer off into these 10 to 15 minute takes. By the time we finished the scene, we would already have like an hour or so of footage just for one scene. It just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we always would run two cameras and sometimes three, basically just leave the cameras on and just keep talking and just stay in, stay in character the entire day. The, uh, this is, this is the moment where behind every great film, there's a female editor actually cutting through the auteurs bullshit. Uh, Yana Gorskaya, uh, put together the final cut of the movie to a trim 90 minutes And she later went on to edit the pilot. She then got uh, promoted to director. And uh, one of her first episodes that she directed for the show was the Jackie Daytona episode. So she's doing all right for herself. But it got got to shout out Yana Gorskaya for uh, helping kind of hone in on what the what we do in the shadows vibe actually is yeah and i think ytd also really honed in his character a lot better for the feature he based him partly on his mother's personality as well as uh, on a guy that he met quote he's partly this guy i once met when i was traveling a german guy who just had a very high-pitched voice Clement based uh, his uh, Jermaine Clement based his character on Gary Oldman's performance in Bram Stoker's Dracula, and honestly, I wish he was in the show even a little bit more. I love that he stepped back and like let other actors come in and take it, but he his vampire character is so fucking funny as well. It's just the self seriousness, you know. I mean, Matt Berry essentially is his character uh, in in the in the show, and uh, just takes takes the torch and runs with it, but. Yeah, Jermaine is great in this movie, and so is Taika Waititi. Taika said, I think that era was where the rules came from, that they can transform into bats and so on. We've gone for the movie Dracula. Uh, we've gone for the movie Dracula, Dracula. And that, yeah, was uh, pretty much uh, where, where they're basing all that stuff on, which is what's kind of funny, because we have this like new guard of vampire bullshit that came after, but I think that what works so well is that for the comedy is that they're doing this like old-school 90s vampire 
stuff that's now sort of in in the classic like lexicon but not as current so no uh sparkly vampires though they do a huge awesome twilight reference in the latest season yeah revolving maybe around a baseball game i'm not sure also one of the striking things about the movie and the tv show that i love so much is the opening theme uh it is a song called you're dead and it is by folk singer-songwriter Norma Cecilia Tenega. There's just something about that song. It just perfectly sets the mood. It just gets me so hyped for it. I remember when I first saw it in the film, I was like, this is amazing. There's just such a great vibe for it. That is actually the editor. She uh, was collecting a bunch of different like songs about death in preparation for the movie, turned the guys on to it, and uh, uh, they were like, yeah, we got to make this the opening. Um, she Her one big hit, by the way, Norma Tenega's one big hit from her heyday in the mid-60s was a song called Walking My Cat Named Dog, which is essentially, I feel like Documentary Now yeah. would like make a fake song called that. It's uh, she. It has that kind of haunting British Invasion 60s folk rock feel. It's like oddly, or You're Dead, I'm talking about, is oddly haunting, but there is a wry kind of comedic sensibility to it and you know because it was off the same album as walking my cat named dog she kind of had this wry sense of humor in her kind of um in her in her kind of uh oeuvre uh she also wrote songs for dusty springfield she was doing okay hell yeah anything more about the movie before we move on so uh one of the interesting things that i wrote down about it is that um the uh, well, first of all, the movie has a bunch of like fun uh, practical effects, including a uh, Inception style hall rotating hallway fight that you know has that gravity defying look. Um, the scene where they're like uh, kind of chasing down Stu, not Stu, uh, Nick, Nick, yeah, the new yeah. vampire, it's great. with like the effect of uh, Deacon jumping out of his backpack and all this crazy horror shit happening. Uh, the the uh, explosive amounts of vomit, of blood and other kinds of vomit happening everywhere. It really, it's like 90% uh, weird, quiet improv comedy followed by 10% insane practical effect, stunt, gut punch, holy shit moments. Um, apparently, according to YTT and Clement, um, shooting the film only took five weeks. But the editing process took 14 months. Yeah. Part of it cutting down all of the hours and hours of footage. And another uh, bit that uh, apparently they specifically, uh, Waititi and Clement, were so honed in on what they wanted visually for the film that they constructed and photoshopped and created all of the paintings and medieval uh, woodcuts that make their way through the film that kind of grounds them and... um, you know, with all their faces added to these supposedly medieval pieces of artwork, which is, uh, you can see that happening in the opening sequence of the TV show, but it's, uh, they decided to do all of that themselves by hand, and that greatly increased the production time of the movie. But also sells it so well when Mm -hmm. you cut to those old images, and you just get the sense, you really need to sell that since they've been around for hundreds of years, and it can be difficult to do that without those extra little yeah again and with the opening of the tv show it sells it really well before we talk about getting into the tv show i have to just take a sidestep really quick and just mention wellington paranormal 
in the show, uh, first of all, in the film, there's for, there's the werewolves, and they're hilarious in this movie. It's uh, what's his name, Rice Darby from uh, Flight of the Concords. Yeah, werewolves, Reese? not swearwolves. Yeah. yeah, the manager, he's hilarious. Uh, the manager of Flight of the Concords. The uh, this the one of the werewolves. I just remember this line is like, why don't you go the I forget which vampire is just like, why don't you go sniff your own crotch? And he's like, <laughs> and one of the werewolves is like, we don't sniff our own crotch. We sniff each other's crotches as a form of greeting. As a form <laughs> like, of greeting. <laughs> it's so good. There's also a, a couple of cop characters, police characters, um, in the movie that end up getting their own TV show. Uh, it's called Wellington Paranormal, and uh, it follows officers Minogue and O'Leary. You know, essentially they just continue what they do in the film, which is like, they're just those like very low-key, small-town police officers. They're just very casually dealing with these very ridiculous intense uh you know supernatural situations my favorite is when they mistake the the violent werewolf attack for a, a, a just a dog doing it <laughs> and they like bring this dog over to this like mangled corpse they're like look what you did look what you did to this little to this this man and the dog's all like confused or the so body funny. in their basement and they're like hey what's all this and they're like that's a solvent being stored next to a uh, a light a light source. That's a fire hazard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's uh, Officer Karen O'Leary plays Officer O'Leary, and actor Mike Minogue plays Officer Minogue. Uh, you can watch Wellington Paranormal on HBO Max right now. Yeah, and it kind of plays like a small town quaint X Files. There's like a yeah. freak of the week. They you know interact with various paranormal creatures and kind of just have to. Uh, in their own kind of aw shucks fashion, deal with this as a special paranormal wing of the Wellington police force. Yeah, and it's really cool because of the success of what we do in the shadows, the TV show, and because it got added to HBO Max, it's actually seeing this like resurgence of popularity that it never had, even though it's been running for like four seasons now. Well, so I enjoy mean, enjoy that. It's honestly, without HBO Max, you'd need to use some sort of like weird uh, VPN to like gain access to TV New Zealand channel two totally like there was no way you'd know even know about it if it wasn't streaming legally so after the movie clement and ytd they're kicking around an idea a film idea about the werewolf characters they decide to take a break ytd goes off to hawaii makes hunt of the wilder people has a kid yada 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 ytd said it was around this time when producer scott rudin 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 i'm scott now, rudin all right okay we, this is uh, the uh, second yeah, time scott right. rudin's shown up yeah uh scott rudin is a uh legendary uh broadway and hollywood producer his name came up during the adams family episode ah. and at the time uh his big uh idea with the adams family is he noticed a car full of children all knew the theme song even though the show had long been canceled and was like i bet there's a movie there um, in our episode, we talked about how hilariously over the top, create what a crazy rage machine Scott Rudin is and how terrible it is to work for him. How like his assistants would keep banks of spare desk phones <laughs> because he was so prone to like ripping his out of the wall and chucking them across the room. Uh, and in the intervening year or so since we posted that episode, uh, enough People have come out of the woodwork and be like, no, it's not funny how much of an asshole he is. We're all traumatized. And he's been like quietly canceled. Yes. He, In yeah, fact, totally. his name has been up. taken off the show credits for the third season. That's how much of a backlash there was. Um, but we need to acknowledge that the guy who first made the call and was like, hey, let's make this a TV show. 
was Scott Rudin. Waititi said, then it just seemed like the easiest way to do it because he's so good at what he does. It seemed like he'd be able to get it done and we wouldn't have to go around pitching or anything. He basically made it happen and we just agreed. I was like, yeah, Jermaine, we should do this. And he was like, I don't know. Another vampire thing? I was like, of course, we've got to do this. And at that point, I got Thor. And I basically pulled out my involvement in the Shadows TV spinoff and left Jermaine to do it by himself. What I mean is, I couldn't write it. (laughs) So YTD goes off, makes arguably, as I said, the best film in the MCU, while Clement goes and works with Scott Rudin on the show. Rudin is a huge, uh, oh yeah, uh, uh, I mean, by the way, just an example of what Ru- Scott Rudin's been a part of, uh, No Country for Old Men, eight Wes Anderson films, The Social Network, it's like absurd, he's one of those guys, mm-hmm. so it makes sense that he was a nightmare. Then, the, uh, but, but this was the key, and I think a really smart move for Jermaine, they did not want to be in it themselves. Uh, and they also didn't want it to be set in New Zealand. You know, it was kind of a mishmash. They were like, we don't want it to be in New Zealand. We can't really justify these characters moving uh, over to America, but we want it to be set in America. In a uh, Comic-Con panel, people brought up, hey, why are, uh, you know, this is, I think, season one, they did a Comic-Con panel. Uh, could be a South by Southwest panel. Don't yell at me in the comments. I'm so scared and I just want to be loved. Please don't yell at me. That's why I didn't think I could pronounce Scott Rudin's name pro- properly because I get called out for not pronouncing names very well, uh, which I am, uh, I will admit I am ignorant to pronunciations. But when asked why they didn't Jack want to be in it. Young. <laughs> uh, how dare you? How da- I'm going to spell your last name with an E at the end. How about that? No, <laughs> they all do it. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, Clement and Watiti uh, said when asked, you know, why aren't you guys starring in it? They said, uh, number one, uh, we just are older. And if we're going to be these ageless vampires, it's going to be weird if the first time you see us after all this time, we just look haggard and terrible. Uh, secondly, uh, Watiti said, having directed the first one while starring in it, it is incredibly difficult to, uh, direct a crew while dressed as a foofy vampire with fake teeth. And he just, uh, enjoys not having to do that anymore. Uh, and then when asked, why is this one set in America? Uh, Clement very glibly just answered, because that's where the people who gave us the money to make the show are from. <laughs> also, YTD has said that he didn't actually want to do it again because he hates shaving and wearing <laughs> the makeup. And he was like, I had to shave every day for that role, and I just like don't want to do it. So, And he doesn't have to. Uh, so Jermaine wrote up the drafts of the pilot. YTD would give some feedback Two months after Thor is completed, which apparently it was just took it everything out of him too, is this all encompassing project. He then goes and directs the pilots. That is uh, what YTD directed. So is the big um, Vampire Council episode as well as a YTD joint, uh, and the, they're both fantastic in that first season. So, uh, very quick note on casting because this was a huge part of the process. Because you know, for something that was going to be based on improvising and on the strength of like individual comedic performances. Um, the only person that was kind of uh, locked in was Matt Berry. Uh, Jermaine had wanted to work with him forever. He was a huge fan of Snuffbox and uh, Garth Marenghi and all these other things. Um, originally, the character was supposed to be named Caligulus Leech, <laughs> which I find hilarious. But uh, Matt Berry was available and he was locked in. Um, Nadja was not, uh, character was written completely differently. 
And it was Nastasia uh, Dimitrio's audition where she kind of fully improvised and presented this uh, Greek peasant woman with a very rich uh, kind of deep supernatural superstitious belief system behind her uh, that kind of completely changed what the character was and, you know, uh, her version of who Nadia was, even the name Nadia was all like kind of based off of what she gave them during her audition. And that was like a huge deal because they knew they had to include a female vampire for this TV series because it was ridiculous how there wasn't one in the original movie. Um, Kevin Novak, Kevin, Kevin uh, Novak, who uh, kind of had a long career in comedic roles. Uh, if you want to really freak out, uh, see his performance as uh, Bejan in uh, Cuban Fury, a Nick Frost-like wacky comedy. Uh, and another thing he did, too, is uh, this prank call show called Phone Jacker for Channel 4. That was one of the things that got him into prominence. And that has him doing prank phone calls as all these different characters, which would involve a ton of improvisation. And that actually even led to a show called Face Jacker. And that had him wearing all these different disguises and even going out and doing different characters on the street and fucking with people. So this guy obviously has honed mad improvisational chops through uh, leading up to this point. God, he's so good. In so one good. of the season three episodes where he's like... They're doing this kind of like body swap gag where he's trying to where the, he wants to go on a date with the girl behind the counter at his local gym. And so it's so good. that episode is so funny. And he's Dave. doing like dead on impressions of Matt Berry and Mark Proch and uh, yep. all these other characters. It's so insane. Uh, but, you know, he also read for the role and was kind of um, uh uh, introduced his Persian heritage and like all of these like Ottoman vibes where, you know, they just wanted a generic warrior dude. And, you know, he added his own different things. Um, uh, uh, Guillermo, uh, Guillermo's character was also cast like really late. Apparently he had his um, costume fitting like a few days before the pilot shot because it was taking too long for uh, them to find him. And it's uh, Harvey Guillen, who uh, his previous big role was on ABC Family's Huge, a slice of life sitcom based out of a weight loss camp, <laughs> which I have personal experience with and I never watched it. But he is so flamboyantly gay in his like performances. He just loves musical theater. He is just this boisterous, happy, just larger than life person in real life. And... Um, for his audition, he was like, I just had to like shut it down. I just tried <laughs> to be as quiet yeah. and subdued and subtle as possible. You know, the character was supposed to be older. He was supposed to be named Adrian. Um, and like just the 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 sh the pure ecstatic like joy that he like would let loose a little bit when he talked about vampire stuff in his audition. They were like, this is our guy. This is what we want. Um and uh, Mark Prox, who we talked about, plays Colin Robinson. Uh, and he is the energy vampire. And he, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was brought on because uh, pseudo showrunner slash producer slash writer Paul Sims, who is like this classic sitcom writer guy. Uh, he has an interesting life. Uh, Paul Sims was uh, raised in Saudi Arabia. Uh, his family worked for a oil company. Uh, the expatriate experience in, I don't know if we've ever heard Amber Nelson, friend of the show, talk about her experiences, but it is this surreal thing where they're just these like pocket American expatriate towns, 
like throughout the desert uh, that, uh, you know, he's that just exist over there. But uh, he made it to America after college. He wrote for Spy Magazine, which if you're a Gen Xer, is like one of the heart of the uh, entire generation's irony, kind of wry sensibilities. He ends up writing for uh, Late Night with David Letterman. He writes for the Landry Sanders Show. Um, he writes for News Radio. And he hooks up with uh, Jermaine for Flight of the Concords. He is brought in as the sitcom guy just to like gr- help the HBO execs kind of communicate what they need out of a comedy series. And apparently what got him the job is when he went to talk with uh, Clement and he was like, so what do you think the show needs? He was like, honestly, you don't need an American guy. You guys nailed it. And they were like, all right, we like you. We'll work with you. <laughs> he ends up uh, writing for Atlanta, the uh, Donald Glover uh, show. And uh, that's he kind of becomes uh, – keyed into the FX network. So I'm just, all of this is to say that uh, when FX signed up for this series, they were like, we need an American sitcom guy just to be sure right. that you know we get what we want out of this production. Paul Sims, as well as uh, Stephanie Robinson, who also worked on Atlanta. But uh, Paul Sims, huge comedy nerd, huge ironic, uh, sarcastic, Fan loves Tim Heidecker's uh, on cinema series, and that's where he saw Mark Prush and was like, "That's what I we need this guy to be Colin Robinson." And he absolutely nails that kind of just life draining, minutia, clueless, horrible energy vampire thing. Prox said, "Everybody knows one, either at the office or on the bus." They're just people that bore you so much and drain your energy with endless stories about their family or their love life or their illness or what have you. The people you try to avoid in the morning, otherwise your day is shot. And as a person who worked many hours at a desk job, holy shit, I connected with the being tormented by that character. Also, are we not? Are we just going to skip over case stress? Well, it, it's amazing how well his shtick was honed because the first time anyone had ever heard of him was when he started appearing in viral videos as K-Strass the Yo-Yo Master from ZimZam Yo-Yos. So he was just like fucking around and and weirdly just see it see the way it is presented it's like he fell ass backwards into a hugely successful Hollywood career but he was just it was him I believe he had a buddy helping him mm-hmm. and they would just get themselves booked on these like local small town news shows as a yo-yo expert. and Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. He would go on and just clearly have no idea what the fuck he was doing. Like, 
one of the funniest ones is he's he does and you can find these on YouTube by the way. It, it, this is all just him fucking with these news <laughs> channels for a laugh. At, he would go on one time and he's like, "Oh no, I forgot the string for my yo-yos." <laughs> So then he would just show you how the trick would have worked if he had had if he had strung his yo-yos uh, before coming on. And one of the cool things about it is there is like a watching order for it, and it does sort of tell a story mm-hmm. a little bit about this guy. Like you get little more a little more bit of information about his life and what he's going through and yeah, just so just, much divorce he's like uh you know i just recently you know again they're like so uh for earth day you're gonna teach kids about how to be green with yo-yos he's like yeah yeah it's just been pretty tough since the divorce um, <laughs> yeah, staying exactly. with my dad uh who also <laughs> just got divorced um <laughs> And then, like, when it was, like, after killing as much time as possible and the hosts or the newscasts are like, okay, but a yo-yo trick, right? He's like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. These are recycled uh, yo-yos. You can, you know, 100% earth-friendly. And he would, like, do the yo-yo and it would just immediately fall apart. He's like, ah, this thing's a piece of of trash. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that not the exact energy vampire character right there? It totally is. Sucking the life out of this broadcast you know in front of all these people it, it is so so funny um i do want to go back to uh, uh, uh for a couple little tidbits for matt barry uh he's quite known for his distinctive voice if you've ever heard it nadia nadia talks like this barry said it's something that i've always had and i would exaggerate it with friends when i was at college it kind of went from there and it's basically taking the piss out of actors that I would have worked with or seen when I was much younger, especially stage actors who did TV work and overprojected. That's where it came from. And now it's turned out to be hilarious. He also said, I draw from the most pompous people who are the people that make me laugh the most and people who take themselves way too seriously. You know, that, that's where all of his uh, humor comes from. And it works so well. I keep thinking of the Jackie Daytona episode where like, uh, this bartender. I have a section on the like just that episode. Just, I'm in just love with the, it so just much. is like, wait, you're from, Ar- but your accent, and he is like, that's just how people talk in Arizona. <laughs> it's so good um and uh yeah he weirdly enough i by the way jake little little nerd fact for you after uh university he uh got on this video game magazine show called game over and it included comedy sketches and matt berry was like the main performer in those comedy sketches that was like his first gig and then that transferred into uh, you know, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which, by the way, was added to Amazon Prime. I'm telling you right now, it is... Okay, it, it came out in 2004. It's this big cold hit. I, I found out somebody turned a murder fist onto it back in the day, back in, you know, New York in the, in the mid to late 2000s. It's this fun... It's this horror parody TV series that aired on Channel 4 centering around a fictional author... Uh, named Garth Marenghi, who also takes himself way too seriously. And he hosts this old relic horror series from the 80s that never existed. And it plays on all those like kind of corny, bad TV special effects from back in the day. It is like super absurd. It is just, I cannot recommend this enough for like comedy nerd dumb and, and uh, you know, nerdy and sci-fi 
you know, TV nerddom as well because it parodies all that stuff. Uh, he also played Dixon Bainbridge on The Mighty Boosh. Yes. And honestly, we should do a Mighty Boosh episode because like 90% I, of, of everything makes its way through there. I would be happy to do that. And I would also be, uh, well, I don't know if we'd get an episode on it, but Snuffbox, mm. I love Snuffbox. It is like, it's not like 100%. I feel like, you know, it, it's not like wall-to-wall hilarious. But it's so fucking weird. And when it's funny, it is like the funniest. It's one of those shows. Like when it hits, it hits. The compilation of him hitting on women. And then as soon as she's like, well, I have a boyfriend. He's just like, fuck off. And like just yeah, yeah. destroys everything in the room. Yeah, that's great. And uh, also uh, Natasha uh, Dimitru, um, uh, Dimitriou. I say, I'll always say it wrong. Uh, a cool thing about her, her and her brother are major creative partners together. They've done a ton of stuff together at the University of Bristol. Uh, they became members of the Bristol Revunions, Revunions, which is a sketch comedy society. This makes me jealous I didn't grow up in Britain a little bit. And uh, they got a lot of uh, acclaim with their comedy troupe, Comedy Biscuit. It does quite well at Edinburgh Fringe in the mm-hmm. late aughts. And after that, they do various comedy projects together. One thing maybe to check out, she plays her brother's fictional sister in the show Slathlet's Flats on Channel 4. That's a sitcom about a incompetent real estate agent uh, who is Greek, who is uh, just bumbling and, uh, yeah, played by um, her brother. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that about covers it for the cast of this show. They are... So damn good at what the they pilot do. is and amazing. The, the chemistry is so good. It's unbelievable. And they talk a lot about how it's such a team sport. And, you, you know, you kind of know that already with improv, but they're all so funny in their own right. But the way they share a scene and compliment each other in a scene, I think is why the show is so damn good. There's a lot of stuff, scenes with them all together. You never feel like anyone's outshining mm-hmm. anyone else. Well, part of that is there's so much improvisation happening that, um, you know, they basically have a glut, a, you know, just a, a, just so much material to work with because these are all trained comedians. All you know, Even Harvey Guillen has improv training, just bouncing off each other, doing jokes on the fly. And it's like pretty much comes together in the editing. Uh, uh, Paul Sims talks about how uh, we could release a second version of yeah. every episode we've ever done with the exact same story but with entirely different dialogue and it would be just as funny. I would love to see like some of the, all the extra stuff. The show is filmed in Toronto and the main set, the vampire's mansion on Staten Island is majorly influenced by, of course, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the cinematographer, uh, DJ Stips. And I have a bunch of quotes, uh, good quotes from this, this guy said our take however was that the staten island vampires have let their place go the former glory is evident but now exists in a worn faded and distressed state production designer kate bunch and i had a lot of conversations about striking the right balance between sumptuousness and neglect there are strong reds but also yellow that has faded to the point of being a warm brown and it's a great great set uh when out of the house however they aim for this very jarring look uh stipson said they are fish out of water are completely out of their element. We showed that by using inherently unattractive locations such as multi-story car parks, late night convenience centers, public buses, all lit with aggressively bright fluorescent sources. We want the viewers to feel as if they themselves are in the supermarket at 2 a.m., 
buying milk. Gilmo, get the creepy paper. <laughs> so the way they film this, of course, it, with a focus on improv, Stipson said we shot both rehearsals and takes, which were then built upon with improvised ideas from the cast and Jermaine to create the space for this to happen. Jermaine wanted to be able to shoot with as few restrictions as possible, so the actors felt free to react to each other in any manner they saw fit. Natasha Dimitrio said, it's very rare to be able to do a show where the most important thing is being funny. That's always the most important thing. It's about, is it funny? Is it stupid? And that's amazing. Um, there will be, like, uh, it's it's interesting listening to uh, Stephanie Robinson, one of the writers and producers, talk about how, like, so much has to be left on the floor for the sake of continuity, where uh, in a recent season three episode, uh, Colin Robinson is obsessed with Guillermo's um, toilet bucket. <laughs> And at one point, uh, Kevin Novak as uh, Nandor just goes, uh, like, uh, Colin Robinson, you are sliding into his BMs. <laughs> and they're like, I, it's, uh, but would he, he know about Instagram? <laughs> like, you know, all of that <laughs> shit. Uh, it's also apparently a gigantic ordeal to film this show because it is filmed completely at night. Um, in Toronto during the winter. So it's real snow on the ground. It's real frost on their breath. Like they have to constantly warm themselves back up. Uh, people get sick on set. It's uh, uh, guest stars have to cancel at the last minute because there's visa problems to get into Canada. It's all a giant crazy thing. Um, speaking of guest stars, uh, one of their highlights has to be the vampiric council. Yes, uh, at the end of season one, where they got pretty much a who's who of people who have played vampires on television and movies, including uh, Wesley Snipes on like a Zoom on Skype. I think it was pre the rise of Zoom. It's unbelievable. You've got uh, you know Taiga Waititi and Jermaine return as their characters from the film, a great way to bring their characters back into the show. There's all, but all these other who's who of famous vampires uh, or actors who played famous vampires in, in the past to create the council of vampires. I, I, this is one of my favorite, like live just moments watching a show as of late, you know, what a fun surprise. Like Lexi and I were losing our minds. By the way, Lexi also loves the show. We love watching Marie, it together. We watch the show together as well. It's so cannot good. get enough of it. And uh, when that episode happened, just the giddiness, we had seeing this amazing reveal of all these different great cameos. Apparently, this it was inspired by uh, when Jemaine Clement met Tilda Swinton, <laughs> who uh, uh, at South by Southwest, she had played uh, a bloodsucker in Jim Jarmusch's uh, Only Lovers Left Alive. And apparently, she said to him, do something where our vampire characters are together. Aww. Because Clement was there promoting what we do in the shadows. And so this was the result. He was like, I packed that idea away. And, you know, the, 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 the trial was the result. That is the episode, by the way. It is the trial. Check that out. That is in season one. Uh, there's also a lot of really cool stunt work. You know, I, I was almost really... We, we talked some about the effects in the first movie. Now, we'll say the first movie, too, is almost a little bit, like, scarier at, at, mm -hmm. in moments than the show. But the show also has a ton of wire work and things like that. And they really try to make all the effects as practical as humanly possible. Uh, and the camera ops are also instructed to, like, try to casually catch these effects. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's a mockumentary style. So they, they need to sort of be able to, like, 
have the it look like the 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 vampire starts floating in the air and then the camera's like oh shit and then you know going up to catch it and not making it as smooth in fact they got notes the camera ops were so good at their job they were like hey can you make this please look sloppier than you're making this it's this actually a one of my favorite things is when they acknowledge in uh-huh. the movie and the show they acknowledge that there is a documentary film crew uh it's apparently a huge deal in the writers room or uh for this last season apparently the writers zoom call that they had to take part in because season three was written completely under quarantine uh-huh. where it, does a shot make sense with the camera crew there? Like how do we make sure that the camera crew is grounded in what is happening on in the show? Like that it's another weird consideration to like l- keep the reality of it alive. Totally. totally. And they, they'll make like really funny jokes. It was such a funny one recently where they were like, they were like, uh, you can, you know, they're talking to each other. Do you want so? Do you want somebody to eat? They're like, you can have one of these camera guys or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just or no, like it, was, uh, it was in the movie. It's uh, Clement's character being like, nobody is eating the cameraman. <laughs> well, maybe one of the camera <laughs> yeah, guys. The- <laughs> they do a good job. I feel like a lot of these mockumentary style shows, they're very quick to kind of drop even the concept of there being a camera crew. After the a office, while. we're talking about yeah, the office. yeah, for sure. And I feel like they always stick with that. They. Uh, are working with a documentary crew. And I think that helps for a lot of the humor. Uh, Matt Berry said, wire work is terrifying. It's terrifying because I'm afraid of heights. Uh, and you have to look like you're not when you're a vampire. There's no reason why a vampire would be afraid of heights, much like a bird wouldn't be afraid of heights. But So that's the veil of acting, because one minute you're standing on the floor, and then within two or three seconds, you're 50 feet in the air. So that sounds like kind of a nightmare, but he plays it off well. Demetrio said, uh, it makes me laugh a lot whenever we do wire work, all of us, especially when me, Matt, and Kaven are uh, are on wires because we are not the fittest of casts and we are not action actors. And so it really makes me laugh because sometimes we just look like babies being dangled, <laughs> which gave me a really funny mental image. Um, but going back to, you know, the episode that I think really stands out in a show that is, I think, every episode's great, and that would be On the Run. Uh, this is, of course, obviously, we've already mentioned multiple times, I have a t-shirt based on the episode. I wouldn't buy paid money for uh, online for a t-shirt based on it. Um, the episode is actually titled On the Run. It's in season two. It is not. It was nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Writing for a Comedy Series, which I was happy to see. And I literally, you talk about um, gaining solace in Pandemic with season two, which definitely helped Lexi and I a lot. It would, like came out at the perfect time. I even threw it on just randomly um, in those op- uh, at one point in those first couple weeks of having a newborn because I just wanted something like that just made me feel so like comfy and <laughs> nice and I just like love that episode so much and uh, it really it really is spectacular it, it it has this absurd premise Laszlo fleeing the house uh, relocating to a small town under that fake identity who is he well he's fleeing from Jim the vampire yes. played by none other than Mark Hamill who was a avowed outspoken fan of the show and really like used his gigantic social media presence to push for the show because he was terrified that he's in interviews. He said, like, literally everything I love on TV gets canceled and I didn't want this to happen. Hamill said it immediately became one of my all time favorite comedies I've ever seen on television, taking the mythology of vampires and burrowing down into the mundane qualities of their lives. I'm a longtime horror fan and I just can't praise it enough. Hamill championed it and... Eventually, they were just like, hey, come do the episode. And like Mark Hamill as well is so fucking good in this episode. He gets his voice gets a little jokery, I will say. But 
but he's so funny in this episode. And, uh, you know, apparently it came from Jermaine wanting to initially have Laszlo fleeing and hiding in different spots all over America. But then they started playing with the concept of like, what if they're making this one documentary you know, about these vampires. And then because they follow Laszlo to the small town, it just becomes a different documentary altogether. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, it almost, it's so good with the women's volleyball team. You know, it's what sucks is I feel like we, now that we built it up so much, you might go watch it and be like, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. In the, you know, start from the beginning. And then when you get to it, you will be so primed and have all the context to make it as much of a grand, um, one of my favorites. It's the element of surprise, much like the trial. It's it is that it is just like what the fuck is happening. Anyways, go on, Jake. Uh, one of my favorite episodes is Brain Scramblies, <laughs> which is when uh, the entire squad goes to their neighbor Sean, played by Anthony Atomatuk. I've never actually had to say his name out loud. Who is an amazing? He does. Uh, he did the President Show for Comedy Central. He's done a bunch of really great things. Uh, one of those like UCB old guard improv guys. Um, and the whole interaction between the vampire team and Sean, the neighbor, is always hilarious. Uh, but there, they just kind of completely tear apart this house and do all this fucked up shit uh, under the guise of showing up for a Super Bowl party. <laughs> um, Sean comes back in uh, season three for The Casino, which uh-huh. is when the crew goes to uh, Atlantic City. Yes. Another amazing episode that has like... Uh, everything from like weird gambling debts to a heist to uh, Nandor having an existential crisis because he learns that the world isn't actually being held on the back of four turtles as he previously <laughs> believed. <laughs> yes, that whole Terry Gilliam, uh, or not Terry Gilliam. Yeah, is it Terry Gilliam? What am no, I no, no, no. Uh, it's Discworld. It's Discworld. Yeah, yeah, that whole Discworld Terry reference. Pratchett. Terry Pratchett, it's so good. Uh, it's where Colin Robinson's like, I'm sorry, this is science. And Nandor's just like, but this is turtles. <laughs> it's so good. Um, just, inc- just so many great episodes. Uh, honestly, it's just so funny. It's just so good. I, If you haven't been watching it, like I, I know there's going to be at least 3,000 individual people in the world listening to this episode who haven't seen the show. Just do it. Do it. Do it now. And then tell us. How good it is, and that you wouldn't have watched it if it weren't for us. Or actually, watch the movie first too. I think oh, you yeah, can. Yeah. I, I think uh, you know it holds up really, really well, and is such a fun watch. And it's really fun to see a, a young Jemaine Clement and Taika Waititi just like tearing it up in their own right as comedic performers, and then just to see it go the where it goes. I mean, it's so many good cameos, so many good Haley Joe Osment is uh, <laughs> is one of the funniest. Like parts of the show, you've got Paul Rubens, you've got Nick Kroll uh, as uh, Simon Kroll the Devious. Is, oh, that's the hilarious. Manhattan nightclub episode is also good. That was uh, written he, by uh, yeah, uh, Tom he Sharp. The, he owns the Sassy Cat nightclub. <laughs> I mean, clearly all the writers. Kristen Shaw is really good, um, especially in this season. She's highlighted a lot in season three. But yeah, it's just it's like one of those shows that, and one of those. Um, I mean, we just burn through it. Uh, we just we have. Now we're watching them as they come out weekly, and it's almost difficult because that that definitely has been a show for us that we've loved binging really hard. So, I uh, yeah, I think that's that about covers it. Jake, do you have anything else before we? Uh, uh, Doug call Jones it? as the Baron, also amazing. Yeah, also an amazing character, and I'm amazed. Hundred percent. The revelation in season three that they do with him. No, it's cool, and it's cool how critically it's beloved. I think it has gotten over with. 
a wider audience. I do hope um, to, it so that doubled it in uh, viewership the by the second season. It's yeah, doing yeah. great. I I just love it. I I cannot get enough of it. And uh, I hope I hope you enjoy it as well. And uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Thank you so much for joining us for our episode on what we do in the shadows for spooky season. We want to do something fun for that. Uh, if you'd like to follow us further, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. We've got for $5 a month weekly bonus episodes to talk about current news events, talk about the stuff we've been playing talk about different just topics of, of interest that we've had, and uh, there's tons of stuff because we've been doing it now for years. So. Now, hold in, hold in. Obviously, we plug the bonus shows a lot, and it is a uh, entire, you know, we do hot takes on the news, we do year in reviews, we follow hot topics of the day, uh, you know, just a plethora of content that completely new and different from what we do on the normal uh, shows. But even if you're not interested in that and you're just a weirdo who likes us and wants to give us $5, you can also just go to Patreon and do it that way. <laughs> you can give you us don't have to listen to the bonus episode. One, you can give us 100 So uh, it's completely up to you. you give us $3,000 right now. Rich weirdos of the world, we are talking to you right now. <laughs> Arbitrarily. <White> <laughs> the white whales out there. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, hey, and uh, best, best discount is for $999. So it's exactly like any kind of a gotcha app. Uh, also, check me out, twitch.tv forward slash holdnadersho. I am getting back with my full schedule, hopefully soon. But probably by the time of this recording, I'll be back to Monday, Tuesday, Friday. Definitely for every Friday, I do a stream with my buddy Jackie called Jackin' with the Holdies. Mondays and Tuesdays, we're coming back soon. Cocktails, uh, Tuesday night, big game night with everybody. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Check me out, twitch.tv forward slash holdnadersho. Jake! Follow me on Twitter, at bestjakeyoung. And if you are a office worker who is bored on a random afternoon, if you are a uh, digital artist who just needs something to listen to while they scribble away on their tablet, if you are uh, just a uh, anybody, if you are anybody who wants to watch a uh, middle-aged man be a VTuber on a weekday afternoon, uh, go to youtube.com slash puppet Jared. Uh, that's youtube.com slash puppet Jared. And that's where I have been streaming on weekday afternoons, 2 p.m., uh, you can look at the archives. We play uh, Gartic Phone. We do tier lists. We test out fun indie games and all. Uh, you never have to look at my gross old face. It's all through with this hilarious, amazing cartoon character that uh, I have created. Um, and people seem to like it. People, people who watch it are like, yay, I'm glad I watched it. So that's encouraging, right? If people were like, boo, this sucks, I'd be like, uh, maybe don't watch this. But the people <laughs> who watch it think it's nice. Hell yeah. I love it. Yeah. And that's a Holden McNeely stamp of approval. <laughs> All right. There you go. Enjoy your day. Return to it. Live it. Love it. And uh, hey, always remember, never stop wisdom. And keep on bruising. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.